What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. This episode is brought to you by Kindle Unlimited. Start your free trial today for unlimited reading. Enjoy unlimited access to over 1 million titles. Browse this month's most popular magazines. Listen to thousands of books with audible narration and read anytime on any device with the Kindle app. Read or listen anywhere and cancel anytime. Hello, everyone. We have Sunita Osborne. Once again, on this episode, you guys probably recognize her name. She is actually from episode 52, where she shared a little bit more about her personal story and her her own journey through miscarriage. And you guys, I'm so excited to chat with her again, because I don't know if you remember, but she is actually a couples therapist. So I invited her back on because I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that and like the marriage side of things or the relationship side of things when it comes to miscarriage. Cause I know that that's something that is near and dear to my heart. My husband and I just didn't really cope the same ways. And it was definitely a struggle in our marriage. And that can be extremely common through this life after miscarriage. Um, But with that being said, she also has some really exciting news, which I know we chatted a little bit about this, Sunita, on our last episode as well, I believe. Or maybe we talked about it off air. I don't know. But I want you to go ahead and tell us the big news. Yes. So I'm so excited that on this, on August 13th, which is Tuesday, my book, The Miscarriage Map, What to Expect When You're No Longer Expecting, is going to be live on Amazon, print and Kindle. And I am so excited to make this available for the world, for the Lamb Fam family. And I'm so excited to be able to share that with you guys. I am so pumped for this just because you guys, if you listen to episode 52, you know that like her personality and the way she talks about miscarriage is just, it's like a breath of fresh air. If you ask me, like, I just love the way that you're able to like, kind of, this sounds really weird, but almost like joke about it and have some humor behind it. Cause I feel like that's so important when we're going through these struggles. And that's very much how I, how I handle things as well. So I appreciate it. I actually, it was funny. I sent the book to one of my friends and she was reading it. She's like, you know, I really like this book. And I, this feels kind of weird to say because it's about miscarriage, but it's also kind of funny. And I really like that. I'm like, thank you. I, I mean, I injected some of my humor in there because I feel like, you know what, this is a really difficult subject. And at the same time, I think it's okay to let our personality, to let our warmth be there as well. So there is some F-bombs in there. There's some humor in there. So I hope people enjoy that. Oh, I'm so excited. So Tuesday, August 13th, you guys. Um, And then let's go ahead and dig right into some of the topics that we chatted about covering on this episode. Yeah. Well, even starting off, Shelly, I heard you say this topic earlier, and I feel like this is such a good one to start off with, is that I think a lot of times what we experience in our relationships after miscarriage is that partners have a very different way of experiencing the loss. I think a lot of times what we see is that the person who is carrying the pregnancy, the woman, typically has a much deeper attachment to the pregnancy. I've heard that phrase many times of that 
person becomes, or a, a woman becomes the mom, the minute that that pregnancy test says positive, which I didn't realize how true that was until I actually had that positive come up. Because like your whole life starts changing. You start becoming really protective of your body. You make changes and make choices for the good of someone else. Of like, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to go rock climbing anymore. I'm going to get more sleep. I'm going to eat healthy. I have to start changing my entire life to fit this person. I become a mom, essentially. Well, for our partner, we have a really different reaction when we experience miscarriage. I think something else that kind of happens there as well, too, is that if we, a miscarriage is a trauma, it's a reproductive trauma and it's a loss that's experienced. And trauma affects each of us differently based on so many different things, based on our culture, our backgrounds, our personalities, our genders, for sure, as well, too. So I think that's another reason why we see partners have such a different reaction to this loss. I think gender plays a huge role in this, is that in the sense that men, I think a lot of times have this reaction of being like the fixers or being stoic in the face of a crisis. So a lot of times the way that they're responding to the loss is very different. Like I know for my husband, he was very like focused on taking care of me. Are you okay? What can I do? Let me try to fix the problem that can't really be fixed at all, which leaves, I think, him feeling kind of helpless in that moment. So I think all of those together can really impact our individual grieving processes. And uh, I think with that too, it's so important to just think about the idea that the expression of grief can look so different then as well. Something I'll say in couples therapy a lot is this idea of not to use your yardstick to measure someone else's reaction. Okay, the way that I respond to this is like, I'm sad, I'm crying, I'm upset, I want to talk about it all the time. My husband is more maybe withdrawn and he's quiet about it and he's kind of introspective about it. That does not mean that there is something wrong, that he doesn't care. That just means that that is his reaction. And can I be curious about that versus uh, thinking like, oh my God, he is not crying. That means that he doesn't care about this, that he is not interested in hearing what I have to say. And I think it's so important to remind ourselves of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of crazy because I, I feel like my losses were really early. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that plays a role in this or not, but like my husband almost just deemed them as like not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for me there, you know, the second I got that positive pregnancy, yes. test, it was real. Like I was a mom. I you started planning. I started changing my life like instantly. And I asked him the other day, because now that we have our rainbow baby, Brian, mm-hmm. I was like, now that you know what, parenthood is and you've experienced the love that you have for this baby I was like do you think if we go through this again you're gonna react differently to you know if we have god forbid you know like if we have more miscarriages and he's like absolutely he's Mm -hmm. like I had no idea what parenthood was he's like I didn't even you know I think a lot of the times like women it's like instant right yes. but for men it's like until they meet the baby it's like almost not real exactly. I don't know yeah 100 <laughs> percent. I still remember after our first miscarriage Michael made a few comments like right after we were leaving the hospital that he like said he like he later came to regret a lot of this like comments like well I mean you weren't too attached to it yet right I mean it was so early and things like that in my head I'm like what the fuck like what are you saying right now like none of this is helpful and I just don't think I said anything in the moment because I'm just so in my own head and like responding to my own grief but like our reactions at that moment at least were so different from each other mm-hmm. yeah I I can recall many of those yes. <laughs> 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 conversations <laughs> 
I will say one thing that I have found really interesting, again, through my own experience, and, and this has been seen in the research as well, too, is that partners sometimes have a tendency to have a delayed reaction of grief after a miscarriage. And what we see sometimes is the partner is so focused on taking care of the other person of like, is that person okay? Let me make sure they're going to the doctor's appointments. Let me try to fix it as much as they think that they can, that they don't allow themselves the space to acknowledge actually what they're feeling, what they're thinking. And that's something that Michael and I experienced that our first miscarriage happened in like November. And I think it was only around January that he started to like share of like, you know, I didn't realize how hard this actually hit me. I remember thinking of like, oh my gosh, it took you like two months to get here. And I think part of that, like we talked about was like, oh, I've been focusing on you so much that I didn't even let myself acknowledge how much like this is affecting me, which I think is such an important thing to remember now in hindsight and experiencing that of if your partner isn't like sharing what they're feeling, part of it is because they could be so focused on you. And what can we do to try to give the space to understand like what is that person going through? Mm -hmm. Which I think that leads to someone had asked a question of like how to navigate differences in grieving. Cause like, yeah, so we have outlined that like the difference in grieving can be really distinct for a number of different reasons, but what can we do about that? I think a huge part is approaching your partner with curiosity, not assumptions. That is something I say in couples therapy over and over again, really in all walks of life. I feel like a lot of times we have this idea that we maybe enter any kind of conversation with assumptions about what the other person's gonna say, especially your partner, because you know them so well. You have this idea of like, I know if I share this, they're gonna say X, Y, and Z. I know, maybe I have the idea that I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm just really sad today, or I'm thinking this, and they're gonna think, why are you still sad about this? Why are we talking about this again? Why are you gonna bring down the mood, whatever else? And all of that does is disconnect me from my partner. It just shuts me down. And even if they do say something positive, I'm just looking out for that, any kind of negativity from them, and I'm gonna shut the conversation down. So I always encourage people, like if you're gonna have a conversation, try as much as you can to notice those assumptions and just let them sit to the side and be curious with your partner. Try to ask them like, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? How is this affecting you? Like, I want to understand your reaction. Easier said yeah. than done, but so important. Definitely. Not to like turn this into like my own therapy session. Yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote in my ebook, Life After Miscarriage, I have a chapter of like marriage after miscarriage. And yeah. I talk about how I wanted to depend on my husband so much mm -hmm. throughout my grief because in my head, having a baby is a 50-50 decision. Therefore, loss is a 50-50 grieving experience. And it really didn't end up being that way for us. Like I said, my husband was very like, um, wasn't real. Like it just like for him, it just like wasn't really a thing. And for me, it was like, I, my baby died, you know? And I had to come to the realization, I think like literally what saved our marriage <laughs> is that I just couldn't depend on him. Yeah. Now, is that like something that like, is that a, a good like coping? Like, I don't know how to explain or what I'm asking, but I'm like, was that me like shutting off? I felt like it saved us in a yeah. way of like, I almost turned to like other women who were going through it mm -hmm. instead of my husband. Like I almost like stopped depending on him to like, help me feel better, I guess, yeah. and say that with quotations, because that's kind of what I felt like I was expecting from him and not getting. Mm -hmm. I hear you. And actually, it reminds me a lot of there is this couples therapist, Esther Perel, who I'm like obsessed with. She's amazing. And she talks about this idea that 
you know, in the olden days, it took a village to raise someone, to take care of one person. We depended on a whole village to meet our needs. And a lot of times now in relationships, we put all our needs on like one person. I need you to comfort me, entertain me, take me out, to make me feel sexy, all those kind of different things. And it's impossible for one person to meet all of our needs. So I'm glad you bring that up because I think that's something that's so relevant too is, I think sometimes we do need to turn to other people than just our partner when we're processing our miscarriage. Like, yes, they are the person that we're closest to in this experience. Like I just automatically want to talk to Michael, for example, every time when I'm having the miscarriage comes to my mind. And at the same time, that is a lot to expect one person to hold, especially if they're having a different experience. So I guess my answer is I think that's a healthy thing to do, to be able to be like, okay, who's my other support that I can turn to? Because it is just a lot to expect to have one person hold all of that. And I think I had that concern at times too of like every day I'd be thinking about the miscarriage for months afterwards. And so every day I felt like I was bringing it up in conversations. And finally I was like, okay, I need to talk to other people too about (laughs) my sister. I can journal. I can do my own things as well. That like sometimes part of the, I think part of the coping is figuring out what are my other people, my other support people other than just my partner. Because otherwise I think it becomes like, it can really take over the relationship in a lot of different ways. And become more disconnecting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I eventually just hit a point where I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to make me Mm -hmm. happy and help me get through this and not expect him to do that. I don't know. It was like such a weird experience. I remember when it like, it just like flipped too. And it was like one day I was just like, no, like this isn't necessarily him. You know what I mean? Like, cause I was putting so much blame on him for not feeling the same way as I was. Mm -hmm. And it was like, nope he's just different than me and I need to realize that. And if I want to get through this, I need to find a different way. Sure. Yeah. How did that change things for you guys afterwards? Honestly, it was so much better. I felt like we became kind of like our old selves again. We're like our whole conversation wasn't about loss and miscarriage. It was about like the things that we used to talk about and like having fun again together, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of, Instead of just me crying all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Real talk. Yes. Yes. Which I'm glad you bring that up because that is something I mentioned in uh, my chapter as well too. This idea that I think it's so important after loss to be able to create these new ways of like connecting again. We use the term of like rituals of connection in couples therapy where it's essentially any kind of like activity thing you can find to do with your partner that is like meant to just like connect you so that could be like we're going to one thing Michael and I did we found one of those like 365 days couples journals so like every night we would have like a prompt that we'd respond to of like what was like your rose today what was your thorn today and we respond to that together and do it or we um would we started playing tennis together we started skateboarding together things like that and I think it's so important after loss to find some kind of way to connect that doesn't always revolve around the miscarriage as well too. Like let's remember that we are two people and a couple and like, let's find a way to be able to enjoy each other's company, especially at such a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. We did the whole, we, we were determined to do once a week date nights, mm-hmm. um, which we always said we wanted to do, but never did it, but we made it a priority. And then we took little like weekend getaways. That was kind of like oh, our, yeah. our thing, like not necessarily expensive trips, but just like, you know, drive two hours and mm-hmm. do a weekend getaway type of a thing. So um, that's kind of like how we were able to bring ourselves back together, I yes. guess is like how I would word it. But yeah, 
it's a wild ride. It is. <laughs> it is such a wild ride, you know, and someone had, I think one of the questions that you'd gotten from the Lamb fam was like, just coping after a miscarriage individually as a relationship. And, you know, I think being able to do things like that, if it's possible, like going on a trip together, doing date nights together, finding ways to connect is so good. I'm a little biased here, but I think couples therapy is really helpful as well too. (laughs) Just having this neutral person there who can help you navigate just the just wild ride that miscarriage is to be able to be there as a support and to help walk you through this so that not one person has to take charge of like, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to take care of each other, whatever else. You have someone who's in your corner, which I think makes such a difference. Yeah. Now, what do you... What do you do if like your husband doesn't want to do couples therapy? Like if he's like, no, you know, like yeah. I know, I know my husband is much more hesitant when it comes to therapy than I am. Mm-hmm. What would your suggestion be? So I think I would probably start with like, kind of again, approaching with curiosity of just kind of get a sense of first of like, okay, what are your concerns about it? What is stopping you? What are your ideas about what couples therapy is? And even if he's open to it of like, would you be open to even like us looking up some information about it just to be like, does this actually fit what you're expecting right now? And even if after that, it's like, yeah, I'm still thinking like, this is not a good fit for me. I think the awesome thing about the age that we live in now, there are so many awesome resources out there of different ways that couples can connect, exercises to go through and things like that, that would allow you to explore some of the things that you'll be exploring in couples therapy on your own as well too. So it almost feels like a thing of like, okay, well, we're not ready for that step. What's a way that we can explore our relationship together intentionally? That's not couples therapy. Let's figure that out together then. And I will say sometimes I feel like that conversation then becomes, okay, this is a lot of work. Let's go to couples therapy. And then they can tell us instead. But I think it's a good place to start at least. Yeah, that's really good advice. Now I know somebody asked the question. I thought this was really interesting. Um, what, like, what do you do if, how did she word it? I sent it to you. What do you do if it changes like the outlook of how many children your spouse wants? Oh, that was such a good question. And it resonated with me on so many different levels because first I think that I imagine being in the position of like, okay, I just had a miscarriage. I want to have kid. Like I want to have a kid. I want to have another kid soon. I've definitely been in that position of like after miscarriage, I had like this urgency of like, let's try again quickly because that is the way that I may be managing some of my grief. And I really want to make this happen for me. So I just want to validate of like, what a scary anxiety provoking situation to be in to be like, I really want this. And now my partner doesn't want this. Like, where do I go? And at the same time, I think it's really important to consider. And I will say, speaking again from personal experience that Miscarriage is a trauma. And the thing we know about trauma is that it impacts our beliefs about ourselves, about the world, about other people. It radically shakes our worldview and our future as well, too. So I think a lot of times what we see is a partner who before was just like, yeah, I am committed to having two, three kids, whatever else. After a miscarriage, it's not that they went back on their word. It's that their world was like fundamentally changed after this. They don't see the world the same way that they did anymore. So now that is, I think it's just important to remember that when someone changes their beliefs about that, they're likely speaking from a place maybe of like hurt and grief Mm -hmm. and kind of processing that. And I think that's helpful just to almost remind yourself of as you're walking through this, because that is a really hard conversation to navigate. And at the same time, I think that that means that like conversations need to be had 
again, I, approaching it, I'm going to say it's probably over and over again because I think it's so important of like approaching it from a place of curiosity of being able to start asking like just some open-ended questions of well, how has this miscarriage affected you? Tell me about how it's affected your feelings about our family, about our relationship. And again, I think the same thing actually in regards to the question about couples therapy is like, would it be helpful to get some more information? Like if you have some fears, which I imagine would be really fair if someone did, some of the, let's talk to our doctor if you have any specific questions. Let's talk, let's read books about like pregnancy after miscarriage and things like that together so we're both really informed. And I think it's so important through the course of this conversation, that problem solving, finding a solution is being put on the back burner while this conversation about understanding is being had. Because I always tell couples, like you can't have a conversation about trying to understand each other's perspective when one or both of you are just trying to like figure out the solution to the problem. All that does is just like put you guys on different sides. So I think a huge part of this is the focus is on like, let's understand where each other is coming from. And then we'll use that understanding to get to like where we need to go next. I think part of that too is like, so finding information either inside the relationship and outside. And then I think something else that's really helpful as someone is navigating this information is getting your partner support as well too outside of the relationship. There's a lot of really great resources out there that I've gotten recently clued into for partners after miscarriage. I think there's a book called um, Dads to Dads, like grieving after a miscarriage. There's really great Facebook groups out there and things like that, just so they have someone to talk through some of their fears with. That's not always you, because I think kind of going back to your point earlier, Shelly, sometimes it is healthy to have that other person to explore some of this with, without it being your partner and putting all of that on them. So I think the way to navigate that would be just starting off with this open kind of ended conversation of allowing both of your fears, your dreams and everything to be addressed. And then using that to get to like, okay, let's figure out how we're going to move from here then together in a place that allows us both to feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. And what's crazy too, is like the next big thing that happens might change their outlook mm-hmm. and their world again, you know, yes. and, and, and that goes for both sides. Like, cause I think some women too, like when they go through miscarriage, it might shift how many kids that they want to have or how they want to go about this. So I think that that can go for both sides. Um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Cause that was definitely my experience of like with my first miscarriage after that, I was on the boat of like, I want to have another kid, like immediately, let's start trying. And we did, and we immediately got pregnant. And then after our second miscarriage, I was the one who was just like, okay, we need to slow down. Like, you know, I had shared that on the last episode, episode 52, that after that miscarriage, my husband and I had this conversation that I was kind of taking I think I kind of like started that conversation essentially that, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to have kids or not after this because this has affected me so much because it has really shaken kind of my views about myself and others in the world. And fortunately he was really receptive to that. So I think that is so true that women as well, definitely afterwards have different ideas about what the future looks like for them. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. So one more question that we received was the, aspect of like intimacy after miscarriage and how that can change in a relationship. Can you maybe touch a little bit on that? Yeah, I feel like that is so important because after a miscarriage, I mean, no matter how far along you are, no matter what follows your miscarriage, our body is like our hormonal roller coaster after that. Sometimes our body is changed after miscarriage. 
And sometimes you don't even feel like yourself in your own skin. And it's really hard to be like a sexual, intimate being after all that happens. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with after miscarriage. You know, I certainly struggled with that as well, too, that, you know, at some point, like your body became this like vessel for creating life. And now that is no longer the case. I have to switch to being like, okay, so now we're just, uh, it's hard to be able to, I think, go back to the place of like intimacy before miscarriage. And I think one thing that really helped me and I've definitely advocated for it too, is having really transparent conversations about intimacy. I mean, all sorts, even, you know, in regards to emotional intimacy and physical intimacy, especially of like talking about what I need, what I don't need as well too, of what's going to make me feel safe right now as I'm kind of navigating this of like sharing with my husband, like after my DNC of like, my body feels like really weird right now. It doesn't feel like mine. And I need some time to figure that out. And he was so patient and so open with me. And that really helped because I think it's just so important to normalize that it's really hard to like switch back into feeling like just a a person, a woman again after a miscarriage and to give yourself all the grace in the world as you're walking through that. And again, a huge part of that I think is letting your partner know what they need. Because some of the conversations that Michael and I had after our miscarriage is that he felt kind of unsure of how to navigate it. He's like, I don't know, I wasn't sure what to do. I didn't want you to feel uncomfortable. So I just like wouldn't say anything or wouldn't do anything. And I was like, yeah, I can get how you feel that way because I wasn't really... I wasn't sure what I was doing. I think it was just helpful to have that conversation of like, we have never been here before. We don't know what this looks like. And I will say, I think just overall, that's such an important thing to remember of like, there is no blueprint when it comes to navigating your relationship after miscarriage. And everything that I'm sharing today, I think there's some helpful things that I've learned that research tells us that can help us walk through this. And at the same time, each person, each couple is different. So I think it's just so important to give yourself that compassion and give your partner that compassion to that Maybe we've never been here before. And even if you've had another loss, the second loss, the third loss, fourth loss, all of it feels different each time around. So I think just kind of giving each other that space to figure out like, what do I need right now today? Because that may be different than tomorrow and the next week and the next month and the next loss potentially as well too. So I think that's just a really important thing to remember as well. Yeah, I bringing my personal life into yeah. this again. <laughs> so for me and Matt, it was very much, it became a job. So like we had four consecutive miscarriages mm-hmm. all in a year. So just like, it was a job for us. Like it was like, you're home from work, take your pants off. Let's yes. do this because we need to get pregnant. <laughs> and that's where we lost our intimacy. Yes. It just became very like, this is what we have to do in order to reach our goal type of a thing. Now, how, like, what would be your advice on that? Or have you seen that in any of your couples therapy work where it just becomes like, not, I don't even know how to explain it. Not romantic at all. Yes. I completely hear you. And I definitely have that experience. I'll say speaking for personal experience, I have seen that happen before. Like, I remember there's a part I mentioned in my book of when we started trying the first time, like immediately went from like when we used to have really romantic intimacy to like, just like job, this is happening. I'm like, I am tracking my ovulation, my yeah. cycle. Here's the pre-seed lube that has like a, <laughs> a pregnant lady on it, which is just not sexy at all. <laughs> like all oh, that kills the mood so much. So I think what I have learned and what I've shared with others that I think is helpful is being able to like, I'm going to start dating again, of being able to let yourself like 
get some distance from so as much distance as you can at least from all of the tracking and all of the specific tools and things like that that you need for trying to conceive a baby and letting yourselves like get find almost like a new thing even if you can as well too of like okay what's ways that we can add some more intimacy in the bedroom in a way that is different not even like let's go back to what it was before let's create something new right now because mm-hmm. that's what we like maybe it's something like let's create a new playlist let's go get some fun candles let's go to like a sex store and experiment and have some fun in that way of like let us just be able to explore that side of ourselves with curiosity and at the pace that we need as well too because so, i definitely think that's something that a lot of us experience of like how do i go from baby making mode to like intimacy with my partner mode like that is a hard place to switch from yeah and I think too uh it's really hard for women to turn that off because we are tracking everything Mm -hmm. also when you have been tracking everything for so long you really start to know your body it's like even if you're not tracking you like know yes when your ovulation window is and that's how it was for us like I stopped doing the tracking thing I remember at one point and I was like no like but I knew when I was ovulating. So it still was like a job for me, but I did eventually stop telling Matt. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that helped a lot. Like not to put that pressure on him. Like, Hey, I'm ovulating. Like, let's Mm -hmm. do this. Like, cause at first it's kind of fun to do that. You know, like your before your first pregnancy, you're like, I'm ovulating. Like let's start a family. It's fun. Well, after miscarriage, it's not fun anymore. Mm -hmm. So I eventually just like stopped telling that when I was ovulating and it became a lot better. (laughs) But I still knew and that sucked. Yeah, (laughs) that is so true. That's like, it's so hard to be able to like turn that off because like, yeah, we're so acutely aware of that knowledge. But I think you're so right that it makes such a difference of like, okay, at least I'm not going to like maybe put that out there for this to become this thing that we're both focusing on right now. I'm going to make it as natural between us as I can. So I feel like that yeah. helps for sure. And I'm not saying like trick your husband no, into no. like pregnancy <laughs> or anything like that. But if you guys are on the same, if you're on the same like boat and you both want to get pregnant, yes. it's not tricking him no. at that point. No. It's just not telling him. <laughs> yeah, it's not saying like I'm on day this and this is what it means that we need it like right now. That's yeah, happening. here's all my bodily fluids. Like exactly. you know everything about my like insides. <laughs> Yes. Instead, it's like, I'm going to put this really fun playlist on and we're just about to really enjoy each other. Yeah. That approach instead of the the day and whatnot. See where that goes. Uh, I'm probably giving horrible advice over here. As a couple therapist, you're probably just like, oh gosh, I gotta like just go with this. I'm liking it and I'm I'm relating to it. (laughs) Oh goodness. So what I know you said that you have like some tips and, you know, tricks to kind of navigate this whole life after miscarriage. Do you want to tap into a little bit of that? Yeah. I think, you know, someone had asked about just coping after a miscarriage and I, you know, speaking on the just individual level as well too. And I think we touched on some of this. I think the support piece is huge of being able to like your partner, huge sources apart, but other people as well too, who are other people who've maybe been through this. I think that makes a huge difference or just other ways that you can get the kind of like care that you need. I think listening to these kind of podcasts for myself make a huge difference. I think something else that I really found helpful, and this is something that's actually in my book as well too, one of the exercises that I have a lot of clients do is writing a list of people, places, and things 
that have always offered you comfort in the past that really mean a lot to you. So like I had like a square of all my like essentially helpful people that I could go to and then places, all the places that meant a lot to me that always offered me comfort. So maybe it was like the beach close by, maybe it was my backyard on the deck and then things, journaling, listening to this playlist, playing with my dog, whatever else. And I think the really nice part about having a list like that is you've ever noticed when you're feeling really down, really upset, and you're like, I need something, but I have no idea what it is. And that extra step it takes to even figure out, like, what do I need right now? Sometimes it's so overwhelming that we just like lay on the couch. We're like, I can't, I can't even move. And I think it's so helpful then to have this thing ahead of time. I'm like, okay, what do I need? I'm going to look at my list then and be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to call this friend. I'm going to go sit outside because I know that helps me and listen to a podcast, whatever else. So I think being able to identify all the different places that you can turn to for comfort is so important and so helpful. And again, I'm biased, but I'm going to plug that again up. Individual therapy is also, I think, really helpful. I was in individual therapy and couples therapy after I miscarriage, and I found both of those to be tremendously helpful. I think uh, one kind of last thing that comes to mind for me is navigating this as a couple. So, you know, I mentioned that I think it's really helpful to have these kind of open-ended discussions after miscarriage. And I think even if you are having, like feeling really connected with your partner, it's always just really good to be able to have these kind of conversations and discussions. And I have an exercise at the end of the relationship after miscarriage chapter. And I have just like a list of different like kind of questions, like a guided discussion almost. And a few of the questions that I have is like, for example, just like, what has been your experience after a miscarriage? What have you learned about me after a miscarriage? What have you learned about yourself? What have you learned about our relationship? How has our miscarriage affected your desire for intimacy? What have I done to support you that you have found helpful? What can I do to support you further? And how has our loss of career goals and for our own family as well too? I think I have some more questions on there as well too, but there's just a few of them. And I will say, I think just sitting down and having that kind of conversation with your partner and just asking these kind of questions can really have some really transformative results afterwards. So I think those are a few things that you can do to kind of navigate this wild ride as we call it yeah <laughs> it's wild right yes yes uh, thank you so much for jumping on for your second episode yeah. and sharing just like these tips and tricks and just some of your wisdom i know uh marriage is just like a huge roller coaster when it comes to life after miscarriage and i love that it's a whole chapter in your new book which again you guys comes out Tuesday. So yes. be ready for it. Um, <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Thank and you. if you do read it, make sure that you leave her a Amazon review. Yes, I know that that really helps in the sense of like other people finding the help as well. So sure. thank you so much, Sunita, for jumping on. And this episode is launching Wednesday. So the book is already out. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to link it in the description. And so thank you so much, Sunita. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb cam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.